Folks, you just don't know how good we have it. You just don't know how good we have it. I will not go back to the days when Jesus was alive in the earth. Amen. Say it again, Pastor. And I just shocked some people. Because back in the days, his disciples had to be with him. Now in this day, he is with us. Wherever I go, wherever I go, he goes with me. He has no choice because the Christ in me is the help of God. He is resident in me. His address is bank Akira. I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Where I go, he goes. Back in the day, wherever he went, the disciples had to go. But today, Pastor, where you go, he goes. We've got it good, guys. I said we have an amazing God. He's an amazing God. He's an amazing God. He's an amazing God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Oh, praise God. Welcome, everybody, to the service tonight. We're going to have a great time. Abraham, thank you so much. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much. Praise team, thank you. Kabot, thank you. Everybody, thank you. Oh, my goodness. God has something in store for us tonight. But let me just make a late breaking news. This is not Fox News. It's not CNN. But I'm telling you, sometime in the quarter coming in 2015, we're going to have a jazz gospel party. We're going to party down. Hallelujah. I'm booking you now, Abraham. I'm booking you already in advance. Listen, you guys, you, guys, you guys are missing it. The very first appearance of Jesus in John chapter 2. We miss it. We focus so much on the water being turned to wine, and that was great. But he went there to show the world that God is found. See religion? God wants to have fun. F-U-N. That's how amazing he is. Yes. Amen. Yes. Praise God. Amen. Pastor Melvin, it's good to see you tonight. Thank you so much. End time harvest. It's good to have you guys. I was with him a couple of weeks ago. This man preached one of the best, most powerful messages I've ever heard on the finished work. Yes. Bless you, my friend. <laughs> Amen. It's good to have you. It's good to have everybody here with me. Psalms 91. Let's get back to business. Ah, glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Psalm 91. Pastor Paul, Pastor Clara, it's good to see you guys. Thank you so much for coming to join with us. We welcome you. We thank you. Thank, thank you for coming. Psalm 91. Who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge 
and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Let, let me just stop there. We, we probably will cover the rest of the psalm as we move forward in this message. And I'm speaking tonight on the secret place of the Most High. When you look at the entire Psalm 91, one simple thing I can tell you to make it easier to understand it. It's broken into three parts. The first part is at verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That verse establishes truth. Verse 1. Establishes a key truth upon which the rest of the passage hinges. Three parts. So that's part number one. Part number two. The next verse in verse two. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Now, notice verse number two. I will say. Nobody is going to say it for you. On the basis of the truth that is established in verse one, you and I now have a responsibility to say something. Now, if verse one it's not established in your life. Don't bother to say. Amen. And that's where we're going to spend most of the time tonight. That verse 1. So you are able to say something in verse 2 because you've already bought into the truth of verse 1. That gives you now the authority to say something. Now, the challenge with believers is many people are saying a lot of things in verse 2, but they are not established in verse 1. Verse 1 establishes the truth. Verse 2, you and I now have the authority, the empowerment to say something on the basis of truth of verse 1. And then verses 3 through 16 is the manifestation. Hallelujah! I said, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, that verse 1 is where we're going to spend a lot of time. That word dwell in verse 1, he who dwells, it means to sit. And then it means to remain sitting. You sit, you remain sitting. It's a a picture of a calm repose of resting. In other words, if you've not learned to rest or to be seated or to be sitting, you really have nothing to hang verse 2 on. And you're going to see very simply tonight why this is so. Are you with me so far? Yes. 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 We're talking about the secret place of the Most High, Psalm 91. Now, in that verse 1, 
There are two names of God mentioned. The first one is the Most High, and the second one is the Almighty. When you look into these names and you read further in Psalms 91, you immediately confronted that this is a covenant passage. The first mention of any word, of any principle in the scripture, is loaded. So the most high, the most high God, the first time we ever see that name mentioned is Genesis chapter 14. This is huge. And then the almighty, the very first time we ever see that mentioned is Genesis 17. Now follow me. He who abides in the secret place, or rather, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. So we are between the Most High and the Almighty. Okay. Wow. It is important for me to give you the context before we get into the meat of the message. What happened in Genesis 14 when we saw the Most High introduced. I won't read the passage, I'll paraphrase it. Abraham went to battle against these wicked kings, about four or five of them, with 318 servants trained in his house. And the Bible said, he defeated them, rescued Lot, and on his way back from the battle, was met by Melchizedek, who greeted him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God. First mention. And we are told that Melchizedek offered him wine and bread. And Abraham responded by giving a tithe of all. So in Genesis 14, we see two critical elements of the new covenant. Communion and tithing. First mention most high Genesis 14. First mention of almighty Genesis 17. Let's read that. Genesis 17. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Say now, so between Genesis 14 and Genesis 17, how many chapters do we have? Let me say that again. Between Genesis 14 and Genesis 17, how many chapters do we have in the middle? Oh my gosh. I have voodoo mathematics going on here. <laughs> I didn't say subtract 14 from 17. I said, how many chapters are missing in the middle? Two. Good. Good. We are back on the same page. If you find the keys in chapter 15 and 16, then you are right at the secret place. Genesis 14 we encounter the most high. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells or rests in the secret place of the most high 
It is the person that rests in that place that will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If you are not resting, the first part of verse 1, you cannot abide the latter part of verse 1. Are you following me so far? Because now I want to break the seals open so that we can come to a serious, great appreciation of this man called Jesus. So what happened in Genesis 15 and Genesis 16? Because that's where everything hinges. In Genesis chapter 15, the very first verse, the very first verse, we are told, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, do not be afraid. I am your shield. Your exceedingly great reward. And I speak that word to someone right here tonight. Do not be afraid. No matter what 2015 brings, no matter what you are hearing, no matter what you are reading, I bring you a word tonight that says, Fear not. Why? Why can I say that? I say that with authority because I know that the Lord Jesus Christ has overcome on your behalf. Fear not. Abraham, minding his own business, Genesis 15 verse 1, God says to him, Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield. What do we use shields for? Defense. Why is God saying that to him? Because in Genesis 14, he just turned up the harness nest by fighting his confederate of armies. And even though he had victory in fighting them, in that time, those battles never end. You see, beat me today, I'm coming at you tomorrow. So Abraham was sent, sitting down there, knowing that he had defeated those people, and sooner or later, they will be coming back after his hide. And what did God do? God said, Abraham, I got it covered. Fear not! Thank you, Jesus. Fear not! And then says, I am also your exceedingly great reward. Why did God say that to him? Because in Genesis 14, even though he took the plunder, he took the spoils, he gave it back to honor God. Because God said to him, what you gave back, Abraham, I will exceedingly multiply it. To somebody here this evening, I want to let you know what you lost in 2014, what you gave away in 2014, what you think left you in 2014. By the word of the Lord, I want you to know God will be your exceedingly great reward. You will not just get substance, you will get him. Hallelujah. Because in him is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything you ever look for, he said, I am it. What an assurance. I am your shield. When the fairy dots are coming, I will stop them. Oh, I'm speaking to someone here tonight. I don't know what you are faced with. Whether it's sickness, whether it's money you need, whether it's promotion you need, whether it's favor you need. I am telling you, God is saying in the name of Jesus Christ, His Son, that He will be your shield. Whatever has to touch you must first go through Him. Hallelujah! And then on top of that, He says, I'm your exceedingly great reward. That's how Genesis 15 opens. But that's not even where God is going. Those are desserts. 
appetizers. In Genesis 15 verse 6, we are told that Abraham believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. And that verse, Paul later on comes in Romans chapter 4, Galatians chapter 3, and uses the same verse to tell me and you that redemption and salvation is on the basis of believing only apart from any works. Yes. 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 If you are ever going to get saved, if you are ever going to serve God and be a child of God, it will not be because of what you did. as good and as comforting as that is. Did you know what's amazing to me? God said that to Abraham, because you believe me, I'm accounting, crediting your account with righteousness. Imputed righteousness. You didn't do nothing for it, I'm giving it to you. Yet, Abraham struggled. When you read the account, God, how will I know? I'm hearing what you're saying. And there are many of us today, we're hearing this good news, how good it is. And we are struggling to believe it because it's too good to be true. Yes, so what did God do? To answer that question once and for all, let's begin to read from Genesis chapter 15. So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all this to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when vultures came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. And behold, Horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abraham, No, certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at good old age, but in the fourth generation, they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass, when the sun went down, and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. Verse 18. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. Now, very quickly, let me give you some observations about covenant. Number one, covenants are made between two or more parties. Secondly, covenants demand absolute faithfulness. Number three, there are consequences for violation. Now, I'm about to get to the meat of this message. Notice what happened here. Because the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 3 that this covenant that God caught with Abraham 
was what Jesus came to fulfill. Galatians chapter 3. But look at what happened here because God here breaks it down for us so we can truly come to understand what we have. I just told you that covenants require absolute faithfulness. Here is God trying to assure Abraham of his covenant and of the promise of his blessings. Abraham came, so did God. But when you read in verse 11, the Bible says, when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. He was walking. Yes, sir. Verse 12. God put a deep sleep on Abraham. Put him to sleep. Why would God do that? God is trying to cut a covenant with a man and he puts the man to sleep. And I just told you that every covenant must be between two or more parties. So if Abraham is asleep, who is God cutting a covenant with? He had to put him to sleep because he could not depend on Abraham's faithfulness. To do his part. He only wanted Abraham to be a beneficiary of this covenant without burning the responsibility of his security. So he put him to sleep. Because Abraham, what I'm about to do, I can't afford to let you mess it up. I can't afford for you to have a part in it. I can't afford for you to go and bust and say, I did this and God did that. No, no, no. No, none at all. This is the mystery of God. Because here in verse 17, we see what God did. It came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking oven come up and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. You see, when covenants are caught, they'll kill the animal and the blood will be right there. And the two parties who has entered in the covenant will walk in the blood together indicating the agreement for all the terms of the covenant. But Abraham is asleep. So what did God do? A smoking oven and a burning torch. God the Father was cutting a covenant with God the Son. God the Son was in smoking oven. God the Father was in burning torch. Because the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 3 that God entered the covenant as with one seed, not as with many seeds. You see, God knew that you and I will not be able to keep our part. So he sent his son, Jesus, and Jesus in our stead cut a covenant with his father. Therefore, let me announce to you tonight, you and I are not covenant partners with God. No, sir. You and I never entered into a covenant with God. God 
entered covenant with God. But because I am in Christ Jesus. And because Jesus is in me. God is looking and counting on the faithfulness of his son. Jesus will not fail. Jesus will not falter. Jesus cannot miss it. Jesus will remain faithful. And therefore, as the covenant cannot be broken unless Jesus breaks. You don't know what you have. God caught a covenant with God. Put in his back pocket. Went to rest. He's not looking at you to fulfill the covenant. And if our minds is hard to understand. Can I tell you something? Every one of you were found in Christ before you were lost in Adam. Because he was slain before the foundation of the earth. And if you are slain, you and I were the recipients of his slain. Before Adam ever sinned, God already placed you in Christ. The good news is my faithlessness and my failure do not contravene the covenant with God because God is not looking at me to perform anything. He's just looking at me to believe because when Abraham believed, he immediately credited his account. This is huge. Huge. Because if you miss this, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, you are just on your own. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. You have to dwell first. You have to rest. You have to be seated in the secret place before you can abide. Under the shadow of the Almighty. And the way you do that is believing in the covenant that He has cut. God, oh my God, let me let me give you a scripture because Hebrews chapter six. Hebrews chapter six. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 13. <laughs> Look at what it says. You know, we, we've always known the scriptures, but we just never could put it in a proper perspective. It's going to make sense to you in a minute. Hebrews 6 13. Look at what it says. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater. He swore by himself. 
There was no one else there that was greater that he could have brought to the covenant sacrifice. He did it by himself. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22. Hebrews 7, 22. But so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. It's mind-blowing for me. So that's Genesis 15. I said there are two chapters between chapter 14 and chapter 17. We unravel Genesis 15. God, number one, came to Abraham and said, fear not. I'm your shield and I'm your exceedingly great reward. Secondly, Abraham believed God and God imputed or created to him righteousness. And then number three, we saw how God caught a covenant with Abraham, but not just a covenant with Abraham. You need to understand the, the details of that covenant. Abraham was put to sleep. God totally sidelined and said, Abraham, just be here, you receive the benefit. You don't have to do a thing. Can you believe that tonight? The heaven has prepared everything for you. If you just believe it and enter into it. You see, the reason we are not getting results as we ought to is because we constantly put new wine in old wine skins. You can do it. It's mixture. Mixture. You hit or miss or hit or miss or hit or miss. But I'm telling you, once you begin to start believing God at this word, Amen. And let God do in through you what He's already promised to do, your life will take a totally new dimension. Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. Verse 1. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had born him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. Let's just jump. Verse 6. So Abraham said to Sarai, Indeed your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. Look at verse 9. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Now let's go to Galatians chapter 4 to interpret what we just read. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verse 22. This is going to help us interpret Genesis 16. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a born woman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the born woman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. Now notice what Paul is telling us. That Hagar and Sarah are symbolic. Of what? 
For these are what? The two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to what? Bondage. Which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, or rather, is free, which is the mother of us all. Let, let, let me just end it there. The, the point here is this. Hagar and Sarai, we see them in Genesis chapter 16, and Paul tells us what they both represent. Hagar represents the old covenant. Sarai represents the new. In Genesis 16, we are told, Hagar, go back to Sarah and do what? Submit yourself to her. What does that mean in 2015? 2015, it says, law, submit to grace. And no grace to the law. Everything that has to do with the law and the self-effort and all the things I'm trying to do to help God, to bless me, God is saying, let them submit to grace. What is grace? Unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. This is God giving you what you do not deserve and at the same time not giving you what you really do deserve, which is death. So, he who rests in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Bring it together. What are you saying? Very simple. This is what we're saying. In Genesis 15, we're saying, believe God. Enter into the new covenant that's been prepared for you. Believe God, Genesis 15. Okay? I get that. Genesis 16, what do I do? Throw away the law. Throw, you cannot believe God and put law besides it. It negates one another. We can't do it. You cannot do it. This is where many of us are having issues. If I'm going to enter and be a part of the covenant, then I must understand, my sister, I had nothing to do with it. It was totally given to me by grace because God loves me. Not because I did anything to earn it, to deserve it, or to merit it. So I can only leave that and go back and start helping God to do what, what I'm trying to make him do. No, no, that's, if you're going to do it, I'll leave you on your own. So, if you're going to rest and be in this secret place, you must believe God. And then, you must put away those self-efforts, those things you always do to make you feel good, to make you feel like you are helping God to accomplish anything. When you put the law away, then verse 2 comes to play. It is after you believe God and you are totally trusting Him and you are on His autopilot. You are saying, God, if you don't do it, it will get done. I understand that. I agree with that. I'm willing to die for that. God, if you don't do it, it will get done. This situation is Jesus plus nothing is everything. That's what it is. When you come to that point, then I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. 
Because I can't fight for myself. I cannot defend myself. I've been for 30 something years. It didn't work. I didn't get the result I want. I know of my own self, I can do nothing. But man's flesh, you cannot prevail. I already understand that. So why do I keep fighting a battle I've always lost? I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. And he is my fortress. When I need a hiding place, I know exactly where to run to. Because you see, he will bear me up with his feathers. My God, his feathers are so wide. He gives me protective custody. The FBI can't find me. The CIA can't find me. The GBI, they can't find me. Because my God. And we have proof that God does that. Now, this will blow you away. Because in Exodus 19, God reminds Moses. He said, I called you guys to be a kingdom of priests. He said, remember how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you out of the house of bondage. Now, please, let's examine that a little bit. When God was bearing them on eagle's wings, was it because they were doing good? Every step of the way, they complained. No water. No quail. No meat. No garlic. No onions. What is wrong with this God? Where are you taking us? Should we not have that in Egypt? And in spite of the complaints, God was bearing them on his wings. Every step of the way they complained and God still did what he did. Why? Because it's not about them. It's not about what they can do. This covenant that God is cutting with you and I is showing to us how much he loves us. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then you can begin to confess. I will say, The Lord is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in me, in Him, I will trust. And then verses 3 through 16. You now begin to deal with the issues because you are rested. From the position of rest, from the position of calm, you understand that God is taking care of everything. So all you're doing is just saying, I will trust him. Surely he will deliver me from the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He will cover me with his feathers. And under his wings I shall take refuge. His truth shall never, his truth shall be my shield and my buckler. I will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays. Listen, if you read these things, verses 5 and 6 in particular, you see how God covers you 24 7. Look at it. Verse 5 says, You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. Next sentence, nor of the arrow that flies by day. That's night and day. Verse 6, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness. Nor of the destruction that lays with at noonday. 24-7 protection. 
ADT can do it. Brinks cannot do it. None of those guys can give you 24-7 protection. A thousand may fall at your side. Ten thousand by your right hand. But it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked. Why? Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. Notice the emphasis. This only happens to people who make him their dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample under food. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Look at verse 16. With your own life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, let, let, me, let me just address that for one quick second. Notice what the Bible said. Because in the charismatic circles, I hear this quick reference to 70 years and 80 years. And that is, no, that is so far from being the truth. Now, I know it's in the Bible. Yes. First, let me, let me address that first before I go to address what I need. Go to Psalms 90 to show you how we need to start reading with a totally different perspective. Psalm 90. Ah, where is it? Okay, verse 10. Look at verse 10. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they're 80 years. Now, right away, if you understand grace and the new covenant, something is wrong. Yeah. Why? By their strength. Yeah. Ah, you guys didn't get it. Wow. Yes. 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 Let me read it again so you can see it. For the days of their lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years. So he's saying if you are strength, if you are strong and healthy, you can live for 80 years. So that depends on you. That, that dependence on living to 80 is on you. That's not rest. Amen. That's not grace. Yes, sir. Not only that. <laughs> Look at what it says. Yet their boss is only labor and what sorrow. For it will it is soon cut off and will fly away. Look at verse 11. Who knows the power of your anger? For as they fear of you, so is your wrath. Okay, it didn't click yet. Let me go to a few more verses. Verse 7. Look at verse 7. Same chapter. For we have been consumed by your anger. And by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. So this context of 70 years and 80 years is within the context of anger yes. and wrath 
and iniquity and sins. This is not God's plan for the new covenant. So if you are claiming 70 and 80 years, you're shortchanging yourself. Amen. Because in Psalms 91, for those who abide or dwell in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of His wings, look at what He says to them. With long life, I will satisfy you. So my question to not work fine. How old will satisfy you? Because with long life, I will satisfy you. What is your satisfaction? Is it 50? Is it 60? Is it 80? Is it 90? Is it 100 years? How many years will satisfy you? Because this is the issue now. It's not about the wrath of God or the anger of God. Now God is saying, what do you want? Hello. With your life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. There you have it. All of this contingent on resting, sitting in the secret place. Which simply means believing what Jesus has done and leave the rest to him. Is that simple enough? No, it's not. I don't think, I don't, because I mean, you guys, I don't think you guys are, it, it's too, that's too simple. <laughs> Just believe God. Mm. Say, so, Pastor, how do I do that? I need my rent paid. I need to buy a car. I need to send my kids to college. How do I rest and believe God for this is to happen in my life? Because 2015 will be a year of his manifestation. Amen. If you find your place in his rest, it will be your year of manifest. If you rest and believe him and stop working for it. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, so I need money. So what do I say? What do I say? Let me just give one example because next week we're going to deal with this all through the week. Let me just give one because everybody here can use some money. Can anybody use money here? Yes. If I need money and I'm resting, Pastor, are you saying I should not work? I should not do business? I should not do anything to together? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying to you is the Bible makes it clear that even as regards your prosperity, Jesus already settled it. Amen. You see, because the Bible says, for your sakes, he became poor that out of his poverty, you may be rich. It's already done. So how do I bring that into where I am in 2015? I will say of the Lord because I've believed him and I'm no longer struggling for it. I will say of the Lord, Father, I thank you for what you already accomplished for me in Calvary. This need that's before me you have already taken care of it over 2,000 years ago. Because you became poor. So that in your poverty, I can become rich. So I'm thanking you that I need 
was met. No, it's not me, but was past tense. Met. One prayer. But that's not all. Next thing I need to pray. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Open my eyes to see your provision in this situation for me. I am telling you no covenant. The thing will flow to you like magic. Because it works, it's real. That's good, sir. That's good. You are come, you acknowledge what he has done. You ask him to give you enlightenment. Because everything you need is, is, is in somebody's pocket right now. God is not creating new money. He's not creating new land. It's already created. What you need is somebody's surplus as we speak. So all he needs to do is a transfer. It's true. When Jesus needed money, he did not go to an ATM. He just said, Peter, go to the lake. And the first fish you catch, open his mouth. Yes. It's on demand. Thank you, Jesus. But you have to believe. Peter did not say to him, I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. What do you mean? Go to the lake. Uh, uh, come on, come on, God. What? No. Gotta believe. So I'm saying to you, for as many of us are going to be willing to step out and believe God at his word, you're going to see things that your eyes cannot imagine. Amen. In Jesus' name. Are you ready? Yes. Do you understand the secret place? Believe in the covenant of God. And resting from your own works, ceasing from trying to help God. Ask Him, what is His plan? What has He done? Amen. What has He done about the situation? Amen. And let Him lead you to what, what that situation is, Amen. and you find your answer. Amen. Every day. Every day. Amen. Every day. But as human beings, we've been geared to just do things on our own. Yes. But God, who you are caring about, says, let me do it. Mm. He wants to do it. Can we stand to our feet tonight? Amen. I want us to go through this confession together. And hopefully you will do it with understanding. Basically, what we have done is taken some matter one and made it into a confession. And I just really want to encourage you, this is not just for tonight alone, use this as often as you can. You're going to put it on the overhead as well. Let me know when you guys are ready. Let's just say it all together. I want you to say it meaningly and believe in it. From verse 1. After 3. 1, 2, 3, go. 
He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover me with His feathers and under His wings I shall find refuge. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. I shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that will us at noonday. A thousand may fall at my side, and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Only with my eyes shall I look and see the reward of the wicked, because I have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, my dwelling place. No evil shall befall me, nor shall any plague come near my dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. They shall bear me up in their hands, lest I dash my foot against a stone. I shall tread upon a lion and a cobra, and the young lion and the serpent. I shall trample underfoot, because I have set my love upon God. Therefore he will deliver me. He will set me on high, because I know his name. I shall call upon him, and he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble. He will deliver me and honor me. With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. Now we are going to receive communion to seal what we just confessed. And uh, thereafter we're going to pray. And thanks into the new year. Yes. Everybody should have one of this because this is a covenant passage. I want us to seal it. And we're going to use it to pray. That 2015 will be a year of our Lord's manifestation in every area of our lives. Does everybody have one? Make sure those guys outside get the emblems as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are we all ready? Okay. I hear not yet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are we there? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for his love. His unconditional love. It's undeserved, unearned favor, unmerited favor, great grace, exceeding grace, much grace. First, the emblem of the bread. This bread represents the breaking of Jesus' body for all of us. And so tonight, I want to believe God that whatever ailment 
whatever situation that's taking place in our bodies that is foreign, that should not be the case, that through this broken body, as we partake of it and joined together with the Lord, that we receive the resolution. So I want us to partake of this in faith, believing that everything Jesus stood for on that cross, you are a beneficiary of it. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. As we partake of this bread tonight, I pray peace upon you. In the name of Jesus, no more worries, no more struggles, no more sicknesses, no more diseases, no more pains. In the name of Jesus. So let's partake of it now. In faith. Father, we thank you for your broken body through your son Jesus. And that as a result of this covenant that we have with you now, we have the assurance of the manifestation of your blessings upon us. We speak for the mountains in our lives, whatever those mountains are. Diabetes, cancer, headache, neck ache, back pain, whatever it is, it has a name. It must bow. It must bow to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so we speak to those mountains and we command them in the name of Jesus. We receive wholeness. We receive health. We receive well-being. In the name of Jesus. We are not carrying any pains in 2015. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We leave them here. We leave them here. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In that same token, this blood represents your blood that was shed in our behalf. So that sin will no longer have dominion over us. But at the same time that we may receive forgiveness from you. And so Lord, as we partake of this blood tonight, we don't just want to walk in greasy grace. But we want to see the fulfillment of your word. Titus 2.11 Whereby the grace of God has appeared to all men shunning, teaching us to live godly and shunning all worldliness so that we may be your servants on the earth shining in the midst of a dark and perverse generation. And so Father God through your blood you broke the power over sin. And so tonight, as we partake of this blood, we receive victory in the name of Jesus. 
every sin, every trespass, every iniquity, every challenge that's holding your people back. We break the chain. We lose the shackles in the name of Jesus. We are holy because you call us to be holy. We are saints because you made us to be so. And so, Lord, by partaking of this blood, we receive washing. Afresh and anew. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. For our deliverance. For our freedom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.